on this feast day of the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan by John, uh, we end this sort of string of mysteries and of feast days that celebrate the beginning of life of Christ. I think one of the most striking things about this feast day and about the gospel passages that talk about it, and by the way, all four gospels talk about it, so that itself says important with big flashing lights. But I think one of the most striking things about it is the way that John vehemently, strenuously objects to Jesus coming to him to be baptized. That, of course, makes sense, I think, if we think about it. John knows that Jesus is the Savior. And that line of people assembling before John, before the River Jordan, are coming for not the baptism in the Spirit, but they're coming for a baptism of repentance. They're acknowledging their need for repentance. That line before John at the River Jordan is basically a confessional line. And yet the Savior of the world, completely sinless, wants to get in it. John objects. John knows who Jesus is. In another passage, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Not lamb as an innocent, white, fluffy, petting zoo lamb. He'll behold the sacrifice of God. Remember that John's dad is a minister and an Old Testament priest in the temple. He offers sacrifices to God, worship to God in the temple. And so John recognizes what that looks like right away in its significance. Behold the sacrifice of God which takes away our sins. In today's passage, he speaks how Jesus not just will baptize with water, but will baptize, will, you could say, drench souls, saturate souls with the Spirit of God. And yet Jesus sees it entirely appropriate. Even though that's true, he's Savior and he's going to do all those things. He sees it entirely appropriate to identify himself and to come into contact with these sinners by the river. I think it's a paradox. We sinners, we often balk. And we draw back at the prospect of being associated or identified with people that we don't like or people that I have a problem with. I don't want anyone to associate or put in their mind, connect me with people that I don't like or have a problem with or disagree with. And even more so, for us sinners, the prospect that maybe possibly someone would know that I'm not perfect, that I have flaws and imperfections, the idea that that would be recognized publicly, ugh, no way do I want that. And yet, here's the paradox, the sinless one, the completely innocent one, has absolutely no problem identifying himself with sinners to be associated with them and to get into that confessional line, that baptismal line at the River Jordan. It is true, John is right to think, Jesus does not need to be baptized. He doesn't get into the line because he needs it. He gets into the line because we need it. We need him to come and identify with us and to contact us in our sinfulness. I think we can draw this spiritual principle. Jesus spreads by contact. 
Jesus' grace spreads by contact. You could even think of it as a sort of disease, like the flu or, or something else that is in the news from time to time these days. Like the flu, let's say. You only catch the flu once you draw near to someone through contact of some sort. Same thing with Jesus, except in a positive way. He wants to infect the world, wants to be spread throughout the world through close contact, physical contact. In fact, this makes sense of some of the mysteries we've celebrated recently. Think about Christmas. In the incarnation, God become man. Why did God want to become man? so that he could contact, touch humanity. Think about the Feast of the Epiphany where the wise men come to worship the the Christ child. Why did Jesus permit that to happen? So that he could come in contact, not just with the Jewish people, but also with the nations, with the Gentiles, that every people would come into contact with him. Why does Jesus go down to the river to be baptized at the Jordan by John so that he could come into contact with the people who need them, him most, those acknowledging their need of repentance. So he could come into contact and identity and be associated with sinners. Jesus spreads by contact, and that reality doesn't end. Even for us, Jesus spreads by contact. Contact with him in the sacraments. Physical washing, we believe in baptism, physical washing. Somehow through that physical water, we come into contact with the invisible grace of Jesus. Physical eating of the Eucharist, the flesh and blood of Jesus, physical eating of the Eucharist, I come into contact with Jesus himself, confessing to a physical person, a priest, and receiving absolution. I come into contact with Jesus himself, My students ask me all the time, Father, do you go to confession too? The answer is a resounding yes. There's no no absolution in the mirror in the morning while brushing my teeth or anything like that. This principle holds for everyone. Physical confessing to a physical person, we come into contact with Jesus, and then anointing with oil and confirmation and the anointing of the sick. We come into contact with Jesus. You know, this little principle I just outlined, it can maybe seem a little scandalous, especially when we appreciate just how far it goes. It goes for the sacraments, true, but also goes towards being in a church building. Why does that matter, contact? Why does adoration such a beneficial practice for our spiritual lives? Contact, being in the physical presence of Jesus, the reading of scriptures, Why is that an important aspect of spiritual life? Contact, on and on and on and on. It might be even a little scandalous to us, I think, for this reason. We might ask, why why would that matter? Isn't God spiritual? Why would a church building matter? Why would physical washing with water matter? Why would physical eating of the Eucharist matter? Why would a physical person to confess to matter on and on and on? Why would that matter? Isn't God spiritual? I think if we appreciate how far God wants to go with that principle, we can appreciate the fact that, yes, God is spiritual. Yes, God is not limited by time or by space. But Jesus has made the decision, the choice, 
to save us through our humanity. And he doesn't want to set aside physical stuff. He wants to use physical stuff. He wants to use our humanity, use exactly what we are and the way that we operate it. He wants to use it to our own benefit. And so he uses those physical stuff, contact, to save us and give us grace. And so everyone, Jesus spreads by contact, the incarnation. He spreads by contact, the epiphany. He spreads by contact, maybe most importantly for us this morning, in his baptism. Contact with sinners. Contact with people who suffer with sinfulness. He doesn't save us abstractly out, out there somewhere by a distance, but he wants to come into contact with our humanity and with our sinfulness.